So we're at that point in the retreat where either we're really settling in and going deeper or we're meeting some really juicy stuff. <laughs> so uh, I know some people here have only done a seven day retreat before and we're now past that point. So there can be a, a, a building up of stuff that maybe we haven't seen before uh, as we go past that uh, perceived uh, limit. And uh, so the other day there was a, a question about working with rage, and uh, part of the part of the question was this statement that you know I I I don't I hadn't thought of myself as an angry person, and uh, I think that's a really important thing because all of these mind states arise and can be hugely overwhelming and they pass again and then somewhere in the middle of that we say oh my goodness I'm an angry person or I'm a bad person because I'm angry or, you know, or I'm a very greedy person or whatever and, and we create a person out of these mind states that arise <clears throat> and uh, as we sit on a retreat like this and uh, you know, have quite minimal stimulation, and uh, then we get to sort of sift through the, the more ordinary, maybe a bit more what we expect, and then we sometimes meet the extraordinary. And that can be beautiful or it can be challenging, depending. So um, just to give a little perspective, you know, in, the, in a monastery, it's like, um, well, we're not in solitary, you know, we're not in like retreat mode all the time, but we have long retreats. We have three-month retreats. And then we have uh, the rest of the year, uh, you know, work to do and things that need to be taken care of and responsibilities. And then we have these long retreats. And uh, we also have, you know, commitments. So it's like if you come... As a, as a novice, as an anagarika, you come for like a one-year commitment and then you watch all of the different things that arise over that year. And commonly, also in, in Christian monasteries actually, commonly during that year there's a point where you just feel like, I just got to get out of here, I just got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and then either you get out or you stay. <laughs> and then you realise, oh, <laughs> you know, that, that, that changes, that passes. And uh, so on, we're on a, like a little, little version of that 10 day retreat, but it's still, it can arise. Yeah. I mean, there's been all kinds of extraordinary things, like uh, one, of the, one of the ones that comes to mind is an anagarica driving the monks through London in a minibus, stopping at the traffic lights and just jumping out of the van and running away. <laughs> <laughs> so you may know what that feels like <laughs> and, um, and then in, in nature there is this, this natural phenomena where um, you know, something starts off as a very, in a very, very simple and then it, uh, it starts to become challenged so, um, uh, 
there's a the challenge to grow and to, to form. And either it will completely break apart and, and become a bleh, or, or break up into bits, or it will, it will reconstitute. It'll, it'll get to a point where it, it feels like it's just too much, it's too much, it's going to break apart, it's all falling apart, and then, and then there's a shift, and, it's, and it it's, can then hold a greater complexity. And this is just a, a natural phenomenon, this is how nature evolves. And it's the same with our minds. You know, we, we get to those places where we just feel like, no, 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 I, I can't bear another moment, and then something shifts. Or, or we, we have to sit with some very challenging feeling, emotion, thought, and it feels like, you know, we just, we just can't bear another moment of it, it's too much, and then we do bear another moment, and at some moment it shifts, and there's a, there's a greater capacity to receive life as it is. So this is what we're doing, on the, you know, this is part of our work on this retreat, is to, is to meet those edges. And, uh, you know, there may be edges where you feel like, I just can't bear it, I can't bear it. I know I had a time in the monastery, went on for about two and a half months, where I felt pretty much every moment of the day, I can't bear it. And then it, was, it wasn't about the external, it was more an internal, so I, running away wasn't going to help. But, you know, there's this sense of, like, I can't bear it. And then I, and then I realised, but I am bearing it. And be like, oh yes, I am bearing it, okay. But I wish I couldn't bear it, but, but I am, I am. No. And it's like, okay, okay. And, uh, you know, I'd literally like wake up in the morning and I'd think, today, okay, today I can be here. Today I'm in the monastery. Tomorrow I don't know. I really don't know. And then the next morning I'd wake up and it'd be like, okay, today, yeah, all right, I can just about handle it today. I'm not sure about tomorrow. And, and that went on for about two and a half months, day by day. And... Very difficult, you know, not something I would have wished for. <laughs> but there was something that needed to work through. There was, a, there was a pain in the heart that needed to work through. And it took that much time, and it took that much patience and uh, willingness to just hang in there. And sometimes that's what we have to do. And uh, fortunately I'd had enough of the, you know, the blissful and the wonderful to know that that wasn't the whole story. You know, through the practice and meditation, a lot of joy, a lot of faith, um, uh, really, uh, you know, receiving a lot of blessings actually from the from the practice. And then I hit this place where you know it all fell apart, and what had felt like a refuge didn't feel like a refuge anymore. And you know, the, the places that I had been able to gain joy, I couldn't gain joy anymore. And uh, so I just had to kind of bear it. Probably, if I wasn't in the monastery, I would have, you know, gone to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> gone and sat with some friends with a drink or something and just take the edge off, you know. Because it feels easier to do that than to have to meet what we have to meet. But, uh, you know, that doesn't solve anything, just, just softens it for a little while and then you've got to meet it again later. Or you stay drunk, which is a disastrous <laughs> solution. <laughs> so, uh, you know, here we are, learning to turn towards what arises. And, and knowing that, that it's, it's changing. It's not who and what I am. 
This is so, so important. It's dukkha. It's not who and what I am. It's changing. These are the, the refuges. So we take refuge in the truth that everything is changing. We take refuge in awareness that knows what is arising now, whether it's blissful, delightful, confused, hurting, whatever it is, what is arising now is, is just that much. And there's a, a deep healing that happens through this practice. We start to notice the ways we abandon ourselves, always thinking about other people, what they need. And then we, we don't give ourselves the time that we need to transform and heal. Or we might have a, a habit of, um, you know, of, of fear and aversion and every now and again, maybe every day, or several times a day, or a few times a week, that rises up really strong. And then it looks for somewhere to land. And if it can't find anywhere, it makes something up. It creates a scenario. It's much easier to do when you're talking to people. You can much more easily create a scenario and put it there on that other person. It's their fault. But in silence, you know, we don't have that... Uh, escape route. So, uh, although you can still project, you know, we're good, we're good targets here. You can still <laughs> project it. And, uh, and so the aversion finds a place to land, and it looks for somebody to land. And then we feel like we're relieved a bit. It's their fault, it's her fault. It's, you know. So in this practice, we're learning how to to know what is arising. To know that because it is not me, it is not who I am, we can fully receive it and be interested in it. Now if it is me, it gets really complicated. If I believe it's me, then I, I feel bad, you know. And then I try and find some way of it not being me. But it, it never was me in the first place. It's, it's a mood, it's a thought, it's a feeling, it's a perception. It's arising in the moment due to causes and conditions from the past and a trigger somewhere in the present. And it's just that. And it comes like a storm in a teacup and it passes again. So the, the sati, the awareness, the knowing, knows all of it. It knows the, the peace, it knows the, the selfing, it knows the arising of fear, greed, hatred, rage, excitement, joy, love, loss, grief. It knows all of it, the awareness knows all of it. And so that is our true refuge, you know, the awareness is our true refuge. 
it sounds kind of strange. We want it to be more solid than that. We want a refuge that we can stand on that tells us we're okay. It's going to be all right forever. But awareness doesn't tell us that. It says there's no one there to hold on to anything. There's nothing that's worth holding on to. Let it go, let it go, let it go. And if we uh, only stay with the, with the wisdom aspect of awareness, you know, it, can, it can get a bit cold. It can feel a bit like, you know, heartless. It can even, you can even get the, the, the uh, judge can even kind of jump in there. Mara can get on the bandwagon and jump in and say, what are you doing that for? You're identifying. You're stupid. You should know better by now, you know. So um, the love aspect is also very, very important. It's, uh, it's also an aspect of awareness, metta, wishing well, being friendly to this being and to all beings. And our, our true friends, real friends, not the ones who are our friends when we do everything that they like and are cool and popular, but our real friends are with us through times of trouble. They cheer us along when we're struggling. They listen. They're patient. They're forgiving. You know, maybe not like immediately. But a real friend has those qualities. We get to know over the years who our real friends are. So um, it's, it's also true with the internal relationship that, we're, that metta is from the word mit, mitta, mitra, which means friend. So metta is befriending this, all of the stuff that goes on here befriending this being and befriending other beings who are not that different. So if we can't befriend what's inside ourselves, we dump it on other people, we blame other people, we protect ourselves from other people. But metta is, is friendly. All of the heart qualities that we've been mentioning, they're all needed. We need to bring them on board. They're all needed for this journey. Because without them it just becomes you know, drudgery or confusing or, um, or a struggle to keep everything under control in a world that's ever-changing, that can't be pinned down. So awareness is what we find when we turn back and look at the space that receives, the space that receives everything. There's a, a little exercise, you can try it if you like, you have to open your eyes. It works better actually if you stand up and spin around, but we're, we're just going to do it sitting for now. <laughs> 
where you, you point to yourself, point this way to yourself. And you point that way. And you follow the hand that's pointing away from you and you see what, what is it pointing to. So I'm seeing a whole lot of things, lots of people, colours, wood, carpets, lots of stuff, windows. And then I look back at what this finger is pointing to, the one that's pointing back to me, what's that seeing? What is that pointing to? Um, I can see a little bit of the frames of my glasses. Yeah. See a tiny little hint of the nose. And then behind that, what I see is the space that's receiving everything that's out there. I don't see anything else. I don't see, I don't see the me that I think is me that I see in the mirror or in photos. So uh, we can turn our attention back here and then uh, we start to notice the space that's here, the space that receives. It's kind of beautiful. Most of the time we're thinking ourselves onto ourselves. You know, we think we're, we're constantly creating uh, an image of ourselves through uh, visually and, through, and conceptually. And awareness isn't somebody. It just, it just, well, I can't say what it is really. So there are different little ways, little tricks where we can remind ourselves of, of the space that receives. It's always present. It can only be present. And that space that receives, it does have room for whatever is arising. It has ample room. And just like that um, image that we spoke of a couple of times about the you know, the egg cup of water and the, and the river Ganges and putting a few grains of salt in the egg cup, putting a few grains of salt in the river Ganges. If our awareness is very contracted, if we, you know, when we haven't developed that uh, recognition, really, of, of what is already here, and we're just focused on the this and that that is arising, then it's like that egg cup. Everything that comes into it is, is huge strong. It might be nice, it might be not nice, but whatever it is, it's, it's very strong. And then when we develop the more spacious awareness, this stuff can still be very, very strong. In fact, it can come up even stronger because it's allowed to. But it's not overwhelming in the same way. There's always this knowing. So I remember a time when I had a very, very strong cathartic thought arise. It was a thought that I had not allowed myself to think at one very critical moment in my life. Um, and at the time it was the right thing to do. It was very good that I didn't follow it through because it might have been a disaster. But it, but it was what I felt and wanted to do and wanted to say and I didn't. I swallowed it down. And then years later in the monastery it started to come up, this, this memory would come up and it would play itself out to a certain point and then I would say, no. And then it would come up again and it would play itself out to a certain point, no. And then I'd get on with my life. And then at some point I realised, oh, it's not going to stop this time. And it came up and it played itself out and then I, I had to kind of extract myself and 
go to my room and uh, lock the door. <laughs> and uh, I sat, because I, I prefer to do things alone like that. And uh, I sat in, in front of my shrine, and this enormous catharsis went on, went, came through. Huge catharsis, where I actually experienced terror and shaking and uh, incredible fear and vulnerability. And that was, it was like this, it was like allowing myself to see what probably would have or could have happened if I hadn't not said what I, if I, if I had said what I wanted to say, if I hadn't swallowed it down back then. And it was an enormous, you know, scary experience, shaking and terror, literal terror, sweating and all that. And, um, and through the whole thing, there was this, there was also this knowing that just said, nothing can hurt you, it's just your mind, it's changing, it will, it will end, and there's, there's no problem. So there was both, you know, both going on simultaneously, both this absolute terror, you know, viscera. If anyone saw me, they would, they would see somebody in a state of absolute terror. And yet there was also this knowing that this needs to go, this needs to happen. This needs to be known, this needs to be felt, and, and it's not going to kill you. Even it felt like it was going to kill me, actually. But it, I, there was a knowing like, this is, this is just the mind. It needs to manifest this. So this is a uh, you know, refuge in awareness. It doesn't, fortunately it's not always so extreme, you know, but sometimes it is. And so the awareness knows it's just like this right now. It's changing. It's like a place of peace. It can be you know, easier in some ways when things are more extreme and more difficult. And then especially when we've, you know, we, we're socialized, you know, we, we don't, you know, we might feel like streaking down the corridor during the mealtime, <laughs> but we're not going to do it, you know. So it's like we're socialized to, to be um, socially responsible, acceptable, and, and then we come into retreat and there are certain guidelines that everybody knows and we keep to them. Um, so it can be that the more intense stuff is actually easier to get a handle on because you're not going to just go and do it. So then there, there has to be the awareness. There has to be, even if it's a, an egg cup full, there has to be the holding. Um, and it's a little bit more difficult with boredom. Boredom and restlessness, they're a little bit more difficult, the more subtle things. But so it's the same with them. Boredom is, is not being quite focused. You know, there's, uh, it feels like well, there's nothing going on, but there's a, there's a ton of stuff going on. It's, you know, if you sweep through the body, there's so many feelings going on right this moment. So much going on. And uh, perceptions, you can start to investigate our perceptions, how we how we look out at the world through particular lenses. So there's, there's, always, uh, there's always something going on when we look with, with the right understanding, with, with the understanding of impermanence and with a sense of curiosity, there's always something. So boredom is, a, is sort of like being tuned out. And then restlessness, it just grabs us and can't settle. 
And again, you know, if we've got if we've got the egg cup awareness, the restlessness is just overwhelming. You just really feel like you just gotta do something. Or or you're already home, you know, whatever it is. And so making that, you know, pour the water out of the egg cup into the river Ganges, into the ocean. Because awareness is vast like an ocean. And we just need to find that again. So there are teachings of uh, some of the awakened nuns in the Terigata. There's one, there are these um, verses of inspired utterances of, of enlightened nuns. And there's one that comes to mind of a, of a nun who's, you know, she's been practicing and doing her meditation and, and uh, you know, she's not, not getting much insight, but she's just carrying on doing that practice. And then she goes down to the river to get some water. You know, back then, they didn't have the faucets. You know. So she's got this clay jar to collect the water in, and she goes down to the river, collects the water, and then as she's, as she's coming back from the river, she, she drops it, and it breaks and smashes into loads of pieces, and the water just pours out. And in that moment, her mind is liberated. So that's like breaking the egg cup. And it's just, it's just open, released. So we can't, you know, even if we know what to do, we can't make that happen, much as we would sometimes like to. But we put the causes and conditions in place. So just like this nun, you know, she was practicing, meditating. It wasn't while she was sitting on the cushion that the breakthrough happened. It was while doing some very menial thing. And actually what could be seen as making a mistake. You know, breaking the jar might be the only one she had. So uh, it's not necessarily while you're sitting on the cushion that the, that the breakthroughs happen. But the, the, the time in... in formal practice, these times of sitting with and sitting through and breathing into, they are what uh, create the causes and conditions for the, for the opening to happen. So I think uh, Isen's tutor mentioned the other day about silence and space. And uh, it can be just while you're sitting here, you know, in this room. It's got a lot of space. Even if you're sitting close to people, all that space above. And the windows kind of reminding us of the space outside. So letting our awareness open into the space, not just be locked onto whatever most interesting, most sensational phenomena is arising, whether it's a pain in the hips or a memory or a hope for the future. Letting the awareness open into the space that's here. Sometimes it's helpful to have a, a visual there to open your eyes and just have a, a sense of the space. Just letting the mind open into that. 
And this uh, little being, you know, this one that we live with, going through its journey. You know, from that more spacious perspective, we can have a lot of kindness, a lot of patience, even maybe a fondness for this being going through its journey. <laughs>